welcome to the Redeemed Vision Podcast, where we bring sight to the blind and freedom to those enslaved by our pornified culture. Here, we dive into hard but important topics, such as pornography, sexual identity, true freedom, real love, and living marriage well. Go deep with us as we uncover what Redeemed Vision means for each of us living in the world today. Come to know yourself, the power of redemption through Jesus Christ, the joy of laughter, and how to live in gratitude and wonder. This is Redeemed Vision. Welcome to another edition of the Revision Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Bacorny. It's an honor to have you here. This is an outreach of freedom-coaching.net, where we are transforming others interiorly through a transformation of mind, heart, and vision from the pornified culture. It's a pleasure to have you here. I'm very excited about um, about guests today, but before we uh, do that, I want to share again some of the sponsors, some of those who help to support the work that we're doing. First up is Catholic Cast. That's Catholic Cast with one C in the middle.com. Uh, there's a collection of recordings of over two decades of Catholic conferences that can't be found anywhere on the net. It's a very low cost of $9.95 a month, and it's sure to help you to develop the gift of yourself and how to live out the will of God in your life. So again, it's catholiccast.com. The other one uh, is Voyage Comics, and a lot of uh, Christian media today uh, often is has subpar products, has things that are just, uh, they don't appeal to a, a wide audience. And Voyage Comics provides an ama- amazing stories rooted firmly in the Catholic faith, and anyone can pick them up and enjoy them. I know my daughters have enjoyed them, and I encourage you to click the link bottom of this podcast, and, the, and uh, it's going to be able to support the work that we're doing here. And you're going to find some excellent stories to be able to go deeper in your faith. And as, uh, as I mentioned at the top of this podcast, this is uh, the Redeemed Vision podcast is an outreach of freedom coaching. Uh, it's a one-to-one mentoring system designed to break the attraction to pornography and unchaste behavior through a transformation of mind, heart, and vision. So we encourage you not to just quit, but be transformed and break the power of pornography. So again, that's freedom-coaching.net. And then also we have a foundation, uh, the Freedom Coaching Foundation uh, Incorporated, which allows us to... Uh, to generate some revenue to be able to support um, clients who can't uh, can't afford uh, our service fully, we want to make sure that um, that our clients are taken care of, and also we like to eat. It's weird, I know. So um, your uh, financial contribution helps us to do that. So if you would also just like, uh, click the bell, subscribe, and share this podcast, uh, so we can get the word out about these very important topics. So on to today, it's, uh, it's been said that if a person experiences same-sex attraction, our culture often says this is one's true identity. And to speak against this narrative is to do harm to them and others. But there's a growing number of individuals who want more of the labels that are put on them by the same-sex agenda. One of them is Kim Zember. Kim lived the same-sex lifestyle for many years, but experiences freedom surrendering her same-sex desires to Jesus in pursuit of a greater love that she has found in him. She provides insight into how to love those around them who identify within the LGBTQ community by getting hope and direction to those who may have same-sex attraction or struggle with their identity. She's in the right place to talk about this today. And Kim, when she's not at home, uh, uh, her home is in Atlanta, Georgia. She's most likely found serving and playing with her 500-plus children. I 
on earth and one in heaven. So I want to hear about that. At her home away from home in Ethiopia through a ministry called Unforgotten Faces. And you can check out her ministry at unforgottenfaces.org. Without further ado, Kim Zember, welcome to the Redeemed Vision Podcast. Hey, Steve. Great to be on. Thank you. An honor to have you here. I've become aware of, of some of your work uh, through a variety of podcasts. I think your voice is incredibly, incredibly neat in the world we live in today. So I just want to jump in in here and just thank you for um, thank you for your honesty. Uh, I know you're going to be honest here, but just seeing that that honesty and and being real, uh, I think, yeah. it is what is so attractive uh, to the message that you have to share. So thank you in advance for that. Amen. So. What I'd like to do is I'd like you to go back here. We, we do things kind of, uh, we like to get very personal in, in, in our uh, the podcast here, helping people get to, well, obviously anything that's too personal, anything you feel that, you know, uncomfortable, don't, don't worry, you don't have to share, but um, I'd like to help people get to know you better. So I'd like to share a little, you share a little bit. Um, what was life like growing up in your house? What, what was your, how would you describe your relationship with, with your father or mother? And, and how would you say that, that, impacted your self-identity? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I think even for me, um, there's more revelation that God is bringing into this mm -hmm. as, as I am in counseling and just different things of what, you know, you, we live our life. So that's all we know. Right. And, and we're like, you know, for me, I grew up in a great family, you know, mom and dad together since they were in high school, um, you know, and two older brothers. So that was, that's a whole nother story, but being the only <laughs> girl, um, grew up Catholic, but you know, I just I remember my dad always being home for dinner. Um, I know that he did construction. He had a construction company um, and another business as well. Um, but he he always made it a point to be home with us and to eat. Um, but so he was present. He was present. But to be honest, I, I don't ever remember him kind of like fostering my heart. Which I'm, I don't mean that mm -hmm. negative towards my dad. I love him. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents did the best they could with what they had. Um, but I just don't remember like ever just like sitting down with him and being like, you know, how's my daughter? And, and just kind of maybe getting a little into my heart and um, kind of the same for my mom. Like, I feel like my mom, she was always around. She didn't um, didn't have a job. So her job was to mother us and mother us well. And she did a great job mm -hmm. at that. Um, but the kind of same thing I, I remember. And it, it, like I said, I don't mean this as like a derogatory or blame or anything of that nature, just reality. Um, I don't remember a lot of like heart emotion talk. I remember a lot around like, you know, what is good and what we should do. So a lot around like morals, um, kind of character development and things like that. But I don't remember just being kind of like pulled in and like, how's my baby girl today? Like, how's your heart? What's what's going on in the inner workings of your heart? You know, and that might even sound like weird language to people even now, but I think it was even probably a little more foreign when I was growing up as well. So um, very present parents. Um, we would do vacations together. Um, we would have family meals together. My mom um, loved us dearly. I, I never questioned that. Um, but I think there's just certain levels that my parents were capable of, and they did that to the max. And then there were certain levels that they didn't even maybe have a grid for. So. Wow, that's that's. Um, I, you're speaking on this, Kim. The 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 language that I, I come back to is the four deepest desires of the human heart mm. are to see and be seen, to yeah. love and be loved. Right? Yeah. And and it sounds like to me that your your parents set up a, a beautiful house, right? Mm -hmm. The foundations were strong. No no yeah. question about that, right? And they worked with the building materials they had. 
Yeah. But as every every man knows marries a woman, right? Um, the transformation of house to home can get a little dicey, especially if yeah. he's not used to having throw pillows in his bedroom. Especially if he's a builder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, that was very good. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, your your father being a builder and in construction to go. And so the, 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 the using this analogy of moving from being a house to a home, something something wasn't there. Something something was lacking, perhaps. Right. Mm-hmm. So I want to for a lot of Christians, right? It, it's our it's our wounds when they get redeemed, and even even in the midst of we're, there's still messiness, right? They're still yeah. they're trying to trying to think of things. We're, we're not we're not on that whole now. This is our analogy. We're going to work whole interview and i'm sure of it but the, the building is never done there were still always things to develop here but once the major wounds get healed many times those are the wounds that drive us in the mission that god gives to us so two-part question one or a how would you describe your wounds growing up and and, and b in growing up how would you say that you or maybe what was the skill set you thought you had to try to deal with those wounds to cope with them yeah, it's it's great. I feel like I'm in my second session of counseling. <laughs> so, but it's but it's good because I don't think we talk about this stuff enough. And I think it can be a really um, it's a sensitive place because I would never want anyone who did the best that they could to feel shame, right, or blame in any of this. Um, but it's so important that we're authentic. I don't I don't know if you're familiar with um, JP Two Healing Center. Um, mm-hmm. Restore the Glory I podcast, you. you know, yes. And so this is so important that we talk about this as Christians. And so thank you for just being real and diving right in. Um, so I would say you for are. me that kind of this part one, childhood wound, I would think would honestly tie to what you actually said, our very, the, the four longings of our heart. And I think there's actually even more than that, but maybe those key ones is I didn't really feel seen. I got a lot of attention. I got a lot of attention, um, but I didn't feel seen on the inside. You know, like we can have, you, you could be in a room with a, a thousand people and feel alone, right? You're not alone, but you feel alone. And so I, I feel um, for me, like a lot of my emotions, a lot of my feelings um, were not seen. And so is that to blame? No, it's just a reality. And I think from that came kind of part two, which is, I I feel Mm -hmm. like I had to make myself seen or I had to um, kind of learn to ignore certain feelings or emotions and just be like, they don't really matter, you know, Um, especially if they're not good ones, you know? So I think I learned to kind of self-regulate. I learned to self-protect, right? I learned to a lot of self right? And, and, and the Lord's still working that out in me, you know, just working self out of, out of me, um, but also not ignoring the self. So there's a, there's a fine line, right? And so I think for me, it was a lot of kind of just this longing for my inner person, my little inner person to be seen, not just what I do, right? Because that, that was a lot of kind of this works mentality, because I come from a very successful family, um, and so a lot of our accolades or what we can do or what we choose not to do is going to kind of put us where we're at, if that makes any sense. I don't know if that you can ask more questions, unpack, but 
Oh, this is, no, this is, I think this is really important. I mean, especially as, and, and that's where one of the highlights of, of when we, when we speak to guests here on this podcast is, is in those wounds. And, and when we, when we start to, because the, the, one of the lies I think the evil one puts out on us is that no one has ever gone through what you're yeah. going through. You're totally alone yeah, isolated. And, you're, and you're completely unredeemable, right? Yeah. You're, right. you're just broken. Stay in the yeah. mud, right? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the is, as you, you expressed here, your interiority, right? Um, and I think we, we see this, we see this come out, especially with bo- a lot of, a lot of women and an increasing number of men, bo- girls and boys mm-hmm. of about your value is not in what you, it's not in what you do, but your also value is not in what you look like. Right. right. And I, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as you're expressing here, that, that if we're not seen from within who we really are, right, which, mm-hmm. is, which is deeper than any behaviors that we do, any of the mistakes that we do, then we're going to do some pretty crazy things. And I think you hit on, like, you're, you're hinting at, which is really important if some solutions forward, right? I always like to say, first off, hashtag kill yourself sufficiency. You're not going to do this on your own. Right. It's not on your own. We need a savior. <laughs> Yeah, we, we do need a savior. We need Jesus to come in and, 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 and get into the muck with us, and, and it, which is the beautiful thing. He wants to come in there and yes. he'll sit with us. He'll sit with us in the muck. He's like, and then he'll then he'll come to a point where, all right, do you want more? He'll start right. like allowing to become so uncomfortable that maybe we have to start asking questions. There's got to be more here, right? And grab his hand. Oh, yeah. And it's terrifying, isn't it? If we've been in control. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's fear. Um yeah, totally. And then, and then the other piece you said in here, but then we have our part to play. We have our, we have to do proper self-care in the sense, and, and for those who are, are Catholic or Christian, proper self-care is not wrong. Proper self-care mm-hmm. is not, uh, it's not selfish. No. We have to take those times away, right, to do that. So I want to ask this, right? So what, along those, uh, obviously the, these wounds start getting, getting here. My insecurity is not being really seen. I'm not being um, affirmed in the way that I would want to be affirmed. And I'm using mm-hmm. your language and, and correct me if that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, somewhere along the line, obviously there's an attraction to when comes about that gets eroticized, right? So mm-hmm. uh, two part on that. What, what was it about women that inspired this, you know, same sex attraction here? And second, that contributes perhaps is what messages about men that would contribute to that attraction that kind of moved you heavily in that direction? Two fantastic questions. And I want to, I want to just kind of add a comma to what you had said earlier, you know, wanting to be affirmed. I'm not talking about being even affirmed in sexuality. I was just talking about being affirmed as a little person, right? Like as a, as, as a just little human being. Right. And so, um, and then of course things grew on and we'll unpack that, but to the root of it, it was just when I was young, just seeing my, my little heart, you know, and whatever it be, even if it's not the greatest, being able to express that, be seen in that, um, and and kind of fostering me through that, whatever it might be. And so um, you had asked the question. So now onto that, you would ask the question. I would say for for me, the well. Okay, this is kind of hard because there's a lot there. I'm sorry for usually I don't I don't stop, but I'm trying to make sure. Not a problem. So I would I would say for me the well, re-ask the question. Sure, <laughs> I got sure, on sure. another track. Well, 
No, this, this, uh, these are deep things, deep, deep yeah. personal things. And so, and I really appreciate the fact that you're, you're it's not taking this to the surface and, and cover this over. This yeah, I want to, I wanted to go deep. So just re-ask and, and I want to reset Welcome it. to the Redeemed Vision podcast where you can be very, very real. So hey, I love it. Yep. All right. So what was it? So two parts. What was it about women that inspired an attraction for you, especially same sex attraction that became eroticized? And second, what uh, what messages about men contributed to this attraction? Bam. So I believe in the very beginning when I felt a draw to women, it was the very draw that I wasn't receiving at home. And that is not to blame my mom. This is not pointing the finger. But there's a reality when you are created to receive something from your parents or from the family that you are raised in, and you don't, you're going to go look for it in one way or another. And I just remember since I was little, I wanted the attention and it was always of older women. It was not women my own age, it was older women. And I just wanted to be seen by them. I wanted to impress them. I remember when I was in kindergarten, possibly preschool, was preschool or kindergarten, wanting to impress my teacher. I wanted her to see me. I wanted her to see what I could create. It was this little clay thing I was doing. And I wanted her to be proud of me. Right. So those are some things right there. And I'm not saying that's abnormal. Right. I'm not saying, oh, that's same sex attraction. But there was a longing to be seen by older women. And so to me, that right there is showing where my where my longings are going to and who they're being fulfilled by. And so to jump back over and well, that started to change as I got older. But I remember that when I was young. Um, when I was also young, uh, my dad decided to have the sex talk with me. Um, I don't even know if this would qualify as a sex talk, but it was the best way he knew how. Um, I'm noticing a lot of ways that my parents maybe used fear to motivate me, which mm. it, it, you usually get a pretty quick response, usually. Um, and I don't think they did that consciously. I think it just is what happened, possibly what they were used to. Um, but my dad sat me down when I was younger and said, I want to tell you about boys. And uh, this is what you need to know. They are all dogs. And they are not only dogs, but they're dogs in heat. And they want one thing from you. They're going to want one thing from you. And so I don't fully, to be, to be honest, I don't fully remember that conversation. But it happened. My mom told me about it. Um, and so, and I was not too little to forget, right? And I don't think we forget things anyways. They might be buried in the subconscious. There might be something of like, this freaks me out. Um, so for me, I remember since I was young, I don't know if it was since that conversation or what, guys being only safe as friends or as brothers, but anything that had to do with intimacy or marriage, I, there was a fear around that. So I don't know when my dad delivered that message, if bam, in came the spirit of fear or what that was, but mm. for sure, a fear around men that they will not be faithful. They will not, um, they want one thing. They basically want to use me. And once they do, y y you know, you're, you're done, you know, you can be replaced. And so I've always struggled with the fear of being abandoned, the fear of being replaced, um, ever since I can remember, even in friendships, all of that, but especially around romantic relationships and the potential of a husband. Um, oh, if I can jump in here, Kim, um, my heart goes out to you and that, that little girl in there of, of, of receiving this. And I, I want to I affirm your dad also on this mm -hmm. because of 
Um, there's, there's a truth here, right? Some men sink, okay, yeah. to, to use uh, use appropriate language here for the podcast, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and they do not, they, they have been, for whatever reason, from their own wounds, will mm -hmm. use women, right? Yep. Which is a total violation of the dignity of any person, right? If we want to get life right, love people, use things. You want to you yeah. hurt a lot of people, use them. And we yeah. find a whole lot of things going on here. And you're, and it sounds like your dad, maybe from his own wounds and, and being being redeemed, I don't know, maybe from just the experience of other guys he grew with, that was the the lens in which he was interpreting the world, right? And I think this is an important note because we have we have a lot of parents who listen to this podcast, fathers and mothers trying to, how do we how do we deal with this thing, right? Is yes, we do have to be real about the state of the world, right? The mm -hmm. world's very broken here. But if we come from merely fear-based mentality, nature abhors a vacuum and yeah. i think that's the vacuum kim it sounds like you got kind of sucked up into here that hey, what about the good about man right mm -hmm. there are men who do horrendous things he was are one of them <laughs> yeah. yes yes so and i tried to try to model this um in, in in many ways but the mess like sometimes those the, like whoever wrote i i just the person who said the phrase right um sticks and stones will break my bones but words will never hurt me they have a special place in purgatory okay for yes. a long long time <laughs> yeah <laughs> right it's those a lie straight from the pit of hell it is from the pit of hell because because mm -hmm. again everything's created from the word and so you got those here so that desire to be seen and and again um some some women who whatever woundedness they have your wounds met their wounds. Oh, absolutely. There's a wound attraction. Off the races. Yeah, off, 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 that's a great way to put it. The wounded attraction that's there, right? And 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 on a, on a side note, one thing that my wife and I, we've gone to counseling as well. Um, one thing that our counselor said to us that like at first I heard, I'm like, no way. Hmm. And the more I thought about it, oh no. My wife has been put into my life to heal my mother wound. Oh yeah. I'm put into her life to heal her father wound like mm -hmm. oh you mean i have to deal with garbage yeah. and stuff yeah all those arguments yeah. guess where they're, they're the root is found it's from my own brokenness and not receiving that right yeah. so so it's here right moving along the story you're in relationships for a significant period of time and actually i want to ask this question because this this is a part of our, our ministry if it's not there or the work that we do then we'll move on did pornography play a role in influencing same-sex behavior when you no. at all Thank God. Yeah, no, I remember when I was little, I did see it was a friend's house and pornography came on the TV and I was incredibly disgusted. It was very, it was a very unique type um, with a little person and a, and a normal sized person. So I think in my little mind, it was like just very disturbing. And so by God's grace, pornography was never an issue for me. I never had a draw to it. Okay. And, 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 and praise God for that. It was obviously other things here. We didn't yeah. know the, the pornified images. Are playing a big role in influencing yes. a lot of a lot of sure. behaviors. Yeah. So, um, so in the so in living same sex lifestyle, right, involved with other women, what was it that made you question that maybe this wasn't what was best for you? And kind of light bulb started coming. Uh, yeah, I mean, I never actually questioned that. I never questioned if it was wrong. I never did. I. I Huh. Though I wanted to question if same-sex, you know, relationships, were they good? Like I wanted to try to make myself believe that, but I knew. And I mean, I genuinely, I knew it. I didn't know what to do, but I did know it wasn't mm -hmm. God's way. So you can know something's wrong. 
You can know something is not of God, but that doesn't just take the desire away. And so I didn't feel like I had anyone to kind of walk it out with me, right? Where do these desires go? What do I do with them? Do I just keep denying them and pretend like they're not here? And so for me, um, I never questioned whether or not it was wrong or sin. Um, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know, okay, so if I've, I, here was the biggest question I think I had. Okay, God, so it's wrong. I do have a more of a draw or attraction to women, possibly because I'm afraid of men, I don't know. But where I was at then was like, I just don't have it. I think this is important to note too. The first guy I dated in high school, I was attracted to him. It was the first boyfriend I ever had, but he went ahead and fulfilled the narrative that my dad told me. And so by God's grace, nothing ever happened. He didn't, you know, force himself on me. He tried and that didn't work. I had two brothers. So um, in that, and, so, <laughs> I, and I didn't need them around. I, I kind of want that story, but we'll hold it for yeah, another time. <laughs> I learned a lot of self-defense having two brothers. I wasn't the uh, most fragile young girl. So in that, um, I, I just stopped dating guys after that. I'm like, okay, you know what? And I never went in my mind like my dad was right, you know, but I think somewhere in me was like, yep, there's a truth there. And so I just stopped dating men. And so for me, I think, I think what happened was I was drawn to women and I didn't know how to fulfill the desire that I had to not be alone in the world. God's word said, and I knew this too, it's not good for man to be alone. Okay, God, well, it's not working out with men. It's not supposed to work out per your plan with women. So what does this look like? And if you're telling me it looks like I'm gonna live a life of Mother Teresa when I'm in high school, no thanks. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna choose sin. I'm not gonna be a nun my junior, senior year of high school and college life. Like it's, it's I'm not, you know, and I was resistant to that for sure. Um, and possibly still am, but in that it was like, okay, if it means I'm gonna be alone and I've got a mayor, I, See, keyword, I have to marry you, Jesus? No. And I don't think he wants a marriage like that, <laughs> right? He not doesn't want us. It's not. It's not. And so um, so in that, I think that was my biggest wrestle with God, was not is homosexuality right or wrong, is like, I know it's wrong, but I still have a longing to be loved, to love others. And I want to go to Christmas and, and have a partner in life. I want to be able to go to dinner with someone and and know that, you know, I'm secure in relationship. You know, that longing didn't go away, but nobody, you know, people could tell me, and that's why I didn't open that open really up to anyone because if I shared that I was having these desires, it's like, well, you know, Jesus is enough. I'm like, well, then why isn't Jesus enough for you? Break up with your husband or wife or friend or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's easy to say, but is it, if it's so easy to live out, then why aren't you doing it? You know, and so for me, it was it was hard. And so I just kept it in. I was like, you know what? I'll deal with this on my own, even though I knew it was wrong. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you for being real there. And and, and I, I think the if if we're proposed, if, if what's proposed to us, and, and sometimes it's not even proposed, it's imposed. Right. There's only two, there were, and, we're, and we're shown there's only two options. Either A, mm -hmm. dehydration, just don't <laughs> go there, don't drink, or the drink from the septic tank. Supposed right. to taste fire hose. good. Yeah, fire hose that sucker, right? Get mm -hmm. on that, right? Well, you can only drink from the septic tank long enough until we start to get sick. But then we look around and we're like, everybody else is throwing up. This must be normal. Right? Exactly. Right. So 
moving the conversation along, and there's so much here, uh, Kim, and, and I, I know our, our time is, is, is limited here. So in the, in the process of redemption from broken sexuality, which we want to make, it, make a very clear statement here, it's not a one and done. It's for no. sexuality is who we are in a sense, as male or female, right? It's going to be a continual process. But there are in that process multiple key experiences, Yes. That evoke changes in mindset and and, and behavior. So if, if you're if you can kind of pinpoint maybe one, two, or three of those significance that profoundly impacted your journey to chastity, how would you describe those? What would those be? Well, I wrote a whole book on this. So I would highly suggest <laughs> for people who want more details, it? it's called Restless Heart, My Struggle with wow. Life and Sexuality. So it is not I have had people read it. They're like, I do not struggle at all with same-sex attraction and I am undone. People have, you know, I, I get messages daily um, from across the world yeah. about this. So this is not just about homosexuality, but it is also about homosexuality for those who struggle. Um, but in that, I would say the two most impactful, well, one, I didn't, the, the first one I didn't know about it was when I was baptized. <laughs> so I'm just going to call it what it is. That is a gift that I received when I was young. And that is why I believe there was so much grace infused in my life. I belonged to Jesus and that was it. Now I have choice, right? But I was a child of God. And so he, no matter how far I ran, continued to speak, continued to follow me, not hunt me down, but he wanted me in his arms. And so um, that I would say was number one, I was baptized, I was in the family of God and he was unrelenting, thank God. Um, but the ones that I remember uh, that did have to do with choice and cooperating with grace was when I went to Ethiopia when I was 23 and I moved. Um, in a way, I was running. I was running from not knowing what to do with certain things, but I at least was running to something now good, right? And so I started a nonprofit in Ethiopia. That was not the plan. I just went over to Ethiopia to figure out who the heck I was, to try to find this heart that was so buried under all the surface things, right? Um, so that more details of that in the book. Um, and then the second was when I, on October 17th, 2014, said, God, I'm done being God. I am done playing God in my life. I am ruining my own life and I'm ruining everybody's life around me. The wake that goes out from my life is affecting everyone. And it's not okay. You did not put me on this earth to just be hurting myself and others. So be God, I'm gonna give you a chance. Mm -hmm. And I, I was in real estate and so I said, I, I'm gonna go on lease to own, show me that you're good and I will be forever yours. And since mm -hmm. October 17th, 2014, he has proved not that he's needed to, but it's cause he is good. He has proved his faithfulness in the midst of my unfaithfulness, in the midst of my running, he has showed his goodness, his character, his very nature is not dependent upon mine. And I am telling you, there is no greater love. That does not mean all struggles go away and now just every wound is healed, but he is faithful. He is faithful, he is good, and he has continued to show that as any time I choose to show up, so. Amen, we're, we are not promised an easy life, but we're promised Emmanuel. We're promised God Amen. with us. That he is, Amen. he's going to walk with that, and and, um, and I love. So, uh, by the way, congratulations! Your uh, anniversary date is coming up here. I hope you have a cake. Uh, Ten years. Um, beautiful. Praise the Lord, right? And, and look Amen. at the fruit that comes from this. And, and this is the the encouragement for those who are hearing this, right? Um, 
God has never outdone in generosity. We, we, we sometimes are so caught that if I give this up, whatever this is, and I'm holding it, then I'll have nothing, right? That's the mm -hmm. lie that's put up. But instead, what this does, this puts us in the position of fiat, like our blessed yeah. mother, right? That I'm wide open and ready. I'm, I'm, I'm open and available to receive, mm -hmm. which is actually the truth about virginity, to a yeah. redemption of virginity. I am one who is available for union. I'm completely available to be loved. You always were loved, right? Um, and, and he never stopped loving you. Never. But now you now, now you go to a place where, you know what? I'm sick of throwing up. I'm sick of yep. drinking this stuff tank. I'm sick of There's being sick. Yeah, I'm sick of being sick. There's got to be something that's going to satisfy the deepest desire of my heart. Praise God, right? And so I love, um, as a, a side note, I love the name of the book, Restless Heart. And, and, and I think the um, question is, are we going to wrestle with our heart and are we going to wrestle with his heart? And I think that's what he wants. He wants us to be real, like what you're being here. And because we, I think with the platitudes that a lot of people are put on, be a good boy, be a good girl, follow the rules. That's mm -hmm. how you get, you get to heaven. No, we get to heaven by doing divine will. And sometimes that's flipping messy. Absolutely. It it's about a surrender to love. This is, if this isn't rooted and grounded in love, it ain't God. I'm sorry. It's a bunch of rules. We see that in the, the story of the prodigal son, which actually reveals the beauty, the prodigal father, the extravagant father, prodigal meaning extravagant. And it also shows the older brother who's trying to work, earn, stir, strive, deserve, right? Mm -hmm. Can't even celebrate his own flesh, his own brother coming home mm -hmm. because his brother didn't earn it. And so there's so much in there. Like, can we see the father and his extravagance towards both of his sons who were wayward. We always put it on the prodigal, which was like obvious, right? Like, yeah, you know, the prostitutes, the pig slop, but my goodness, look what the older brother's doing. He's trying to earn salvation. He's trying to earn what the father wants to freely give through relationship. Mm, yes. And, and is it not, Kim, we want relationship more than anything. We're aching anything. for it. We're this, built right? for it. Exactly. But the question is, are we going to do it on our terms or are we going to do it on the terms that will actually satisfy what we're actually made for yep that's the question right so actually this is this is a good, a good lead into our next uh, next thought here and, and kind of movement in, in our conversation um so growing up catholic right what what would you say the church did right and what did they and then on the flip side to fail to communicate about god's plan for love and sexuality and and and, and then i guess yeah. throw on that sort of past what do you think the church can do better about that yeah very loaded questions. Um, so I will be as concise as I can be. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say what, where my family went right was they kept God at the center of our lives for sure. Like he was, it wasn't just show up on Sunday and now whatever you want Monday through Saturday, my family lived out faithfulness to God. Um, they lived out real relationship with God. They were considered charismatic, right? So my dad was always praying in the spirit and just, just a lot. So I was, um, and they, they kept us rooted in God. What I, where I would say they didn't know where to go, where they quote unquote went wrong, but I think it was because of lack of direction for themselves, was mm. I didn't know God as a father. I knew God as a cop. I knew God as somebody mm. who was hovering over me, like waiting for me to fail. You know, it, it felt very conditional. It felt very that. Now that is not the work of my parents. It's not even the work of the church. Right, that's the work of the evil one trying to sow just disruptive and disordered seed. But the reality is, if the church or the family isn't talking about the goodness, faithfulness, mercy of God, that the kindness of the Lord leads to repentance, not you're going to get in trouble or go to hell, 
hell is real for sure. We're not going to minimize that, but I don't want to be in heaven because I was afraid of hell. <laughs> I want to be in heaven because I love God, because God loves me and he wants me with him for eternity. And I want to be with him and I want to love him for all eternity, right? There's a huge difference. Servial versus, you know, this just fear-based motivated. And so I think that is a lot where my family didn't have a grid for it. And that is where I see a lot within the church, where it's almost like we're almost too afraid to talk about the radical, unconditional, transformational love of God, because we're like, people are going to go crazy. They're going to just do whatever they want. Well, my gosh, I pray that yeah. the radical love of God that we're talking about actually does what we say it does. And it does transform us. But see, sometimes we, I think just like in parenting or in relationships, we use fear. We use fear and then people are like, oh, I got to do really good, right? And so it's a fear-based, that's our platform. That's our, our foundation. As we go back to even circling around about a house being built, what is it built upon? And I'm telling you, it, 1 John 4, 18, it, it is like a life scripture for me. Yes. For perfect love, and I'm sorry, none of us have perfect love. There is one who doesn't just have perfect love, he is perfect love. So for perfect love, Jesus Christ, the God man, perfect love casts out fear. And the man who still fears is not yet perfected in love for fear has to do with punishment, right? And so this is not God's heart. It, Steve, it's not your heart for your own relationship in, with your wife. If your wife comes home every day because she's just afraid of you, my gosh, everyone around you would be like, hey, this isn't healthy. This isn't a healthy relationship. It doesn't mean get a divorce. It means let's get back to the root of what love is, right? And so fear, there is no fear in love. Fear is the opposite of love. Now there is a beauty of the fear of the Lord, but it is not being afraid of him. It is being in awe and wonder of how marvelous, how good, how holy he is, right? It's totally different. And so I think the church, and that's the beauty is that's the church's teachings, but are we teaching it? Are we teaching it? Are we too afraid that everybody's going to go astray if they already feel like they're loved? Well, I'm sorry. I do not want to keep people in relationship because of fear. And I, I just think it's a place that we as a church just all over can wake up and say, oh my gosh, I need to encounter. I need to taste and see the goodness of God. And my goodness, when you do, it's going to transform you. And it's going to be a process. See, sometimes we want things quick. So boom, here comes fear. Oh, you don't want to die? Well, don't do that, right? Okay, I won't do it. But is that real love? It's not. It's the start, but it's not the, it's not the fullness, right? Okay, we could do a podcast just on that. The, right. Like literally, in the entire podcast, every episode on just that, okay? So thank you. Thank you for saying it because I think we we are, we like, I, I like, we like to say in coaching, uh, fear is false evidence appearing real. And yep. very rarely to the, the, very rarely do our fears get manifested to the degree that we give them power. Right. right. So I think it's critically important here. And, and a couple reading in between the lines. Number one is I think we as a church have forgotten what love is. Love is first be loved to soak in that love. And then from there, then we can go on and say, okay, how can I make this gift of self? Which yes. is what love is in itself. So I think practically speaking, for all those who are hearing this, right, we first have to identify our fears, which means we have to be real about them. So many of us are still yes. around, like pretending everything, I'm okay, you're okay. No, because it's totally okay, you're not okay. Yeah. I'm I'm not okay, you're not okay. Let's be not okay together. 
Okay, it'll be good. Yep. At least we're in the same room together. We're not alone, right? Right. <laughs> um, misery loves company, and um, and then and then and then we present fear to Jesus. Jesus, would you? Because inside each fear, there's a nugget of truth, right? The, yes. the evil one never he can't he create, create. It on his own. He'll take mm -hmm. some, yeah, take some kind of truth. But then Jesus, what's the truth here? What do you what do you want to do with that? Right. Right. So moving from here. I want to I want to ask that right now the church is in in crisis and crisis is 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 a decision point. It's not a freak out moment. It's a decision point. Yep. And I think a lot of people are getting a lot of intel. Okay. So what would um, Kim, given your life experience, what would you say to a person? He, he or she believes. Uh, here I'll just say she. She she claims to believe in Jesus, claims that she's one of his followers, but then claims that he. He approves of her same-sex lifestyle and that he just wants her to be happy. What would you say to her? I would say what the scripture says, return to your first love. Mm -hmm. When we return to our first love, we'll, all other loves will be put into place. See, it's not for us. It, see, God calls us out of something to call us into himself. He calls us out to call us in, right? And so I think personally, when someone says, God just wants me to be happy. Oh my gosh, he, he does want us to be happy. Absolutely. But he knows that true happiness, true joy, all of that can only come through him, which is joy, which is the fullness of good, right? He doesn't have goodness. He is goodness. And so to me, anytime that our love looks off, it's just, it's just a siren to show us return to your first love. See, but see, here's the problem. A lot of people don't want to return to their first love because they don't even know God loves them. They think he's too busy judging them. He's too busy critiquing everything about them. When actually he wants to pull us in and love us into wholeness, right? This isn't about, oh, just, you know, no, he meets us where we're at. And I'm telling you, when you let him embrace you, and I haven't heard too many, I haven't heard too many people drive past a cop or a cop drives by and they're like, I just want to follow him and hug him. You know, I just, I, I, you know, I saw that cop and I'm like, man, I, I just that. want, yeah, yeah. Try that. See where that'll go. You know, but I he just feels, want to, he seems squishy like a pillow. He just seems like he wants to embrace me right No, And so, but, but, and it, so in this, you guys, so when we say, you know, when God says return to your first love, do we even know who that is? And our first love is God, the father creator of heaven and earth who created us in his likeness and image, he wants us. He doesn't just want to control us. We could have been robots. No, he wants us. And so often it's the same scheme of the enemy from the beginning in the garden is trying to twist and pervert the goodness of God. Just if he can put a corkscrew in God's goodness, that God's really not good. If God was good, why would he X, Y, or Z? If God was good, why would you have same-sex desires? If God was good, why would your daughter have passed away, right? We can go on and on. See, we need to return to our first love, but the church needs to remind us what that love looks like, right? That it's not this cop hovering over us, waiting to give us a ticket. It's actually a father who came down from heaven and hung on the cross so that we could be together. That's, that's not a cop. That's a father. That's an extravagant love that our very hearts were built for. And it's the very love that our hearts are longing for. And any other love that doesn't look like that is not gonna complete you. It didn't complete me and it won't complete me because we weren't created for it. 
Um, yeah, thank you. Um, you can here and um, and I because this is and I think it's it's critically important for us as the church. We've got to get past our masks. We've got to, yes. We've got to find a space to let them down to be real. So yeah. We we have and, and and I'm sure along the lines again is uh, longer conversations and, and privately like who are those people around you that helped you to find a safe space that you know I can let my mask down I don't have it all together yeah. I want to embrace your brokenness in the most healthy wholesome holy way yeah. so that so that I can see a little bit of who Kim Zember is right mm -hmm. really really there and and this is a, this is exactly what you're hitting on Kim. Of this is what our Father in Heaven is. All the lies yes. that put on about, about about God, and I think this is why there's, a, in many cases, in the same-sex agenda, and, and and those who are 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 pushing that agenda, there's a radical anger yes. against the false notion of what they've they come to believe about who God is, and they've never mm -hmm. really, they, maybe they did know Him at some point, but got lost along the way, or maybe they never knew in the first place, right? So our job. Is to not say, you know, they, they're not going to fall in love with Jesus and his church through a bunch of rules, but simply of saying, come and see. Come yes. and see. Come and, come and hear experience, which is ex exactly, Kim, why I think your story is so darn important. Because you have it all together. I was not no. seen, but now I am being seen, and it's bringing healing. Absolutely. And I think a good question we can sit with Holy Spirit on is as me, as an individual part of the bigger body of church, as the body of Christ, do I look more like the older brother or do I look more like the prodigal father? And I'm telling you, when the prodigals come home, because they're going to come home, it's God's word. He is calling his sons and daughters to himself. He's calling all people to himself. So when they come to the door of the church, are they going to be met by the older brother who can't even celebrate their return because they're too busy earning and deserving and striving and that brother didn't, or are they going to be met by the prodigal father who embraces them, puts a ring on their finger, a robe on their back and slaughters the fattened calf for them because the son came home. He returned to the father, right? And there's repentance in that. I'm not saying, but it says the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. Scripture says so clearly that we are to bear with one another their burdens. And I think as a church, we sometimes try to fix one another's burdens. And guess then who we take mm -hmm. the role of? We take the role of Savior. We take the role of God. Holy Spirit convicts. And it's the kindness of the Lord that will lead all people to repentance. Are we reflecting the Father's heart? But we can't reflect what we don't see. So is the church doing a good job? There's a, there's a bell. Is the church doing a good job of reflecting the father's heart? Because let me tell you, when we, re we can, you, you mentioned it, Steve, you said we can't actually love because we can't love unless we've received love. It says for you can love because you first, we can love because he first loved us. Loved us. Right? So we have to receive these things to give them out. And guess what? There goes pride because, oh, Kim, you love people so no well. You, you, you do such a great job of reflecting Father's heart. That's not to take in as pride. It's only because I've received it. How could you be prideful about something you received, right? And so what do we reflect as church? Do we reflect this older brother or do we reflect God the Father? Sit, sit in that scripture. Jesus himself shared it. Sit in it. Ask Holy Spirit, 
do I even know this prodigal father? Do I know this extravagant father? Or have I more just related with all the prodigals in the world or all the big brothers? Oh, very, that's so important. And I think you you also, Kim, you, you unbeknownst maybe to you, uh, you gave very appropriate marriage advice, right? Oh. <laughs> Gentlemen, do not try to fix it initially. Mm -hmm. Try no. to um, relate emotionally. Where yeah. is she at? And vice versa, right? I think if we yes. fixers, my 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 eldest daughter is a is a type A. Got to fix and got to clean everything up, and that's yeah. not necessarily what's needed right now. Because otherwise, yeah. we end up throwing things away that um, we're going to sorely miss. Yeah. Well, then we see, so, we see people as we see people as projects, not people. Yeah. And yeah. that's not how God and sees then, us. He doesn't see us as just yeah. a bunch of products, pro you know, that need to be fixed and projects. Yeah, so it's it's the steal of a line from uh, Charles Dickens, right? The Christmas Carol. Come in, know me better, man. Right? Just no, I've know. never heard that in my life, but amen. <laughs> You've never heard that before, Christmas Carol? Oh man, Kim. Okay, so I'm, I'm assigning you Muscle, Muppets Christmas Carol, maybe the Jim okay. Carrey version. All right, just done. Hit. I like it. All right. So in a couple more questions here, and then we're gonna we're gonna put a little bow on this or a little pause on our conversation because I think I, I'd love to continue more with you on this stuff. In the last five to ten years there's been a backlash in pushing a, a purity culture. Mm -hmm. So Kim, I think Cap, right? If you were your mother, what would you say to your 10-year-old daughter? How would you approach the topic of chastity with her? I think it starts with God. If you don't go, if you don't know God, you're not, you're never going to really know yourself. And so as, as parents, as people, loved ones that we have, we need to be expressing the heart of God the Father to our young ones, to those that are our children and, and those that are in our sphere. Because once they start to know God, they'll start to know themselves. They'll start to see God's ways as good because they know him as good. See, if you know God's rules, this is what we've done a lot of. We, we lay out his rules. His rules are important. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. But see, those people knew him, right? Knew him. Follow me. They knew him. They knew him. And so a lot of times we know the rules, but we don't know the heart. And there's a massive disconnect because now we're doing the rules. So you could sit your kid down and talk about identity and sexuality and all the ways God has. But if they don't know the heartbeat of the father who loves them, then those, those rules might not be actually seen or even experienced as good because they don't know the source that it came from. Does that make sense? So I think we got to get oh, back to I, the I, source. Yeah, no, and, and I, the, the image that comes into my mind is 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 John, John the Apostle, right? The beloved disciple, the beloved. who puts his who puts his head on the breast of Jesus and hears the heartbeat. Hears, yes. and so so it begs our begs the question for any father or mother who's who's listening to this: Are you every day in the midst of your business? Mm -hmm. we're, we're, life is crazy to just rest, Come rest on the chest. Rest. Yep. Right. Rest on the chest. Oh man, that's a t-shirt right there. Rest on the chest. Right. right? And B. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and you don't have to, we don't have to impress. We don't have to be anywhere. Cause I, I think that's maybe with the uh, productivity culture or Protestant yep. mentality that, that has, has crept in many cases in places in, in Catholicism is I have to be a producer to be a, to be lovable. And that's no. a lie. The lie. And the, the truth is it's when we expose the wound, when we open up to, to a space where we can trust, Mm -hmm. then I can reel there. And and, and, it's, and the only way that happens with our relationship with God that's going to bleed into our children is if you're actually putting your head on the chest of Jesus and you're being real about your own wounds and hearts there, right? Because right. oh, So important. 
Yeah, if you don't hear and feel the heartbeat of Jesus, you can't reflect the heartbeat of Jesus. You cannot give what you do not have. And so even this morning, I was in adoration. Do you know what I do? And people might say, that's so dishonoring. I like curl up on the ground and I just, I rest with them. I, you know, and I'm not saying sometimes whatever anybody, but and yeah, sometimes I have, but I just, I just want to be with him. I don't want answers. I don't want him to fix everything. I just want to be with him. His presence is his mm -hmm. presence enough. And when we start to experience that. It doesn't mean don't ask. That doesn't mean absolutely. But like, have we rested with him first? Or are we just using him? I need to know what to do with this. I need, but I don't want your presence. I just need your answers. No, it's his very presence that is the answer, right? And so I think it's this drawback. And, and is that a coincidence that we're having a Eucharistic revival in the church right now? Go be, lay your head upon his chest. Be, hear his heartbeat for you so you can share his heartbeat for others. What's the key word there? Be. Just go be. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, this just came to me. Sorry, Steve. This 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 pops in. I just wanna I wanna release this real quick. Um <clears throat> when when Jesus was baptized, which he did everything as an example for us, he's perfect, right? Tempted in every way, never sinned. When he's baptized, he did not yet perform a miracle, correct? Did he do anything yet? And what did the what did the word of God from heaven say? That says the skies open up and it said, "Behold, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased." It wasn't every miracle he did; every it was the very being that God was pleased. Jesus, without any yet acts of his miraculous works, already pleased the Father. He's trying to show us something here. We are loved right where we're at. That doesn't mean he loves everything we do, but can we be loved right where we're at? And I think that's how we become the beloved, when we allow ourselves to be loved in our brokenness so that we can be re restored into wholeness. It's his love that's gonna transform. It's his love that's gonna, that's gonna transform us from the inside out, that all the stuff on the outside that we try to pick all the fruit off, stop doing this, stop doing that, stop doing that. Amen for fruiting, right? But he's got to get to the root. He's got to get the heart of the matter. Um, you you said the key the key word in this, right? Beloved, be loved. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Right? I wrote it on okay. my shoes. I got a whole thing up. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Okay, I know our time is short. I need to get yep. two questions out because I'm gonna be remiss if we list we miss them. Okay? Let's do it. So stick with me. Number one, or last, second last one. What advice would you give to parents who find their children are experiencing confusion about their own sexuality? And I I don't want to be repetitive in it, but it's going to be the same answer. Get with okay. Jesus. Get with Jesus. Let them see. Okay. Well, my kid doesn't like Jesus. He they show him a different Jesus, not a one you created either. Don't don't go, don't go celebrating things Jesus doesn't celebrate in His Word. Right? Let's be clear on that. But go sit with Jesus so that when you're with your child, you reflect Him. And like, Mom, something's different about you. Don't make their sexuality everything because God doesn't either right? Draw out the gold, remind them of how beautiful they are, of, of the good things, right? Well, mom, we, yeah, but shouldn't you be drilling me on my sexuality? God will work it out. I want you to know him. See, because we yes. cannot, we cannot be gay and still be totally far from God. Let's just be real. You, the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality. It's not go find a mate for your partner, for your, your child or your loved one. It's actually bring them back to their first love. Reveal the first love to them and God will reveal whatever other loves come from that. 
So we want to make sure that we remember that the opposite of homosexuality is holiness, just like the opposite of any sin. It's actually holiness. And we don't get holy. We get with the one who is holy and he makes us holy. I would, I would, I would bring uh, an addition to what you just said that we're not defined by our attractions, but we're defined by our relationship with our heavenly Father, who yep. calls us as male and female to first be loved, so that we can go and share His love with others. Absolutely, right? that would be my my thing here. So, um, last question here, right? What would be your final message, just for timing of of someone who is experiencing unwanted same-sex attraction in the context of everything we've talked about what, what would you speak to their heart god sees you he knows you he's not disappointed in you he's not wishing you were better he loves you he is for you he is not against you and he wants to love you into wholeness he doesn't want to just change you he doesn't want to just correct behaviors he wants your heart and it is the safest place if you're afraid of love, if you're afraid of him, your heart in his hands is the safest place. And I don't want those to just be words. I want, I pray encounter for you. I pray encounter with the love that your very soul is longing for. Just be real with him, cry out to him. Don't, don't sugarcoat things, don't hide behind something. He's not ashamed of you. There is no shame or condemnation for those in Christ Jesus is what the word of God says. And if you're dealing with shame, you you lay before him all of it and you will be met with a radical love. And I pray that people who reflect God's heart, who, who have rested upon his chest, encounter you so that you can walk with people who can walk with you with the Lord as well. You're not meant to do it alone. Do not isolate, do not hide. Oh, Kim, um, it's been said the world and our pornified culture speaks a word, but our Heavenly Father speaks a better word. And I want to thank you so much for echoing, um, echoing that word here today. Amen. So um, just on a bit, I'm just going to close up for our podcast. I want to thank you. Uh, thank you, Kim, for being here, for sharing your heart, being real uh, with others. And um, and for all of those who have hear, heard this, all of those who are, are experiencing this, I really encourage you to seek the heart of the Father because they're you're going to find where love, um, where love is, and, and especially to share this with others because there are, we, we live in a very broken world. But remember, nothing is wasted, everything's redeemable. And may everything we do give glory to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and never shall be, world without it. Amen. Until next time, I'm Steve Bacorny, and this is the Redeemed Vision Podcast. The Redeemed Vision Podcast is an outreach of Freedom Coaching. To learn more, check out freedom-coaching.net and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Movie.